with him. Uh, you, have your, you have your Bibles today. Turn with me to Mark, the first chapter, if you would. Let's all stand as we honor God's word by standing. Mark, the first chapter, and uh, I'm going to begin reading in the uh, 30, the 15th verse, or thir- I'm sorry, the 35th verse, and I'm going to read through the 39th verse. It says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out, departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. When they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto me, unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues, and throughout all uh, Galilee, and cast out devils. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of us. Thank you, Lord, for everything. I pray, Lord, for uh, for those that are sick today. Pray for Brother Greg as he's sick today, Lord, and I pray that you'll lift him up and they'll be able to be back in the Lord's house next Sunday. Lord, I pray for those who aren't here. I don't know why they're not here, but, Lord, I pray for them because they should be here, and I know that. And, Lord, I just pray in all things that you might go with them today and you'll keep them safe in spite of themselves. Now, Lord, go with us and watch over us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> I don't know if any of you remember this, but uh, I preached... Uh, a message 16 years ago, you say, oh boy, you expected me to remember it. Uh, but I preached a message 16 years ago on why men seek him. And in that message, I told, I made a statement, and I said that sometime in the future, I'll be speaking on why men don't seek him. And uh, so uh, we, we preached then on why men seek him. And so this, today we're going to preach on why men don't seek him. And certainly, um, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, this message could probably be preached in just a few words. And that is... Um, don't be the reason that men don't seek him. That's uh, that's the key to it right there. I talking to a man. I don't know. It's been maybe a couple of three weeks ago that, and he made this statement. He said, "If being a Christian, he used the word Christian." In being, in being a Christian, I don't want to be like some people who claim to be Christians. 
And I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, there are people in the church that I go to that claim to be Christians. He, he said right offhand he wasn't a Christian, but he, he does go to church. He said, there's people in the church that I go to that make me feel that I don't want to be a Christian. Because he said, they say they're Christians, but he said, they drink, they curse, they do everything in the world that a Christian shouldn't do. And he said, I don't want to be a Christian because of that. Well, um, of course, he didn't understand what it meant to be a Christian. And he, but he did understand that if you said you were a Christian, then you should live a life like a Christian. But at any rate, um, so I, I don't want, uh, anybody to be guilty of causing someone not to want to seek the Lord. You know, there, there's some reason, there's some reason why, you know, let, let me tell you this, let me say this. I know we don't ever see it like this. When we talk about seeking the Lord, we're always talking about salvation. And, and of course, there is a, there is something to seeking there. But you know, a child of God ought to seek the Lord every opportunity he has. He ought to seek the Lord's help in prayer. He ought to seek the Lord's church in attendance. And he ought to seek the, uh, he ought to seek the, uh, the brothers and sisters in the Lord because he wants to follow them. And, um, it's sad. It's sad when you realize that there are some Christians who do cause people, cause men what not to want to seek the Lord. Now in our text here, if you'll notice this one thing in our text, this is what brought on 16 years ago, this is what brought on me saying that I was going to preach a message on why men don't seek him. It says that... Uh, In verse 37, And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. Well, according to these people who pull Scripture out of context, that's a contradiction in the Bible. If you just take that one verse and just fly with it, that contradicts what the Word of God says because the Word of God says in Romans, the third chapter, no man seeks after him. But there's a reason. There's a reason why men don't seek him, and there's also a reason why men do seek him. Now, we talked about that, and we're going, we're going to take some of that message and intertwine it in this message today to bring you up to date on what we're talking about. Now I want to say this. I fear those who go about to pull Scripture out of context in order 
to establish their own belief. Now, it's hard if you take that one verse here, take it out of its context and why it was, why it was said, why his disciples said what they said. You take that one verse out of its context, then you're going to go and you're going to, you're going to say, well, somebody stands up and preaches. The Bible says, uh, uh, no man seeks the Lord, you're going to say, oh, no, that's not right. It's not correct. Because I can show you a verse in the Bible where his disciples said all men seek him. So that, that there's got to be an explanation there. I've said this many times over the years, and it, it, it affects some people and some it don't. But I've said this many times over the years, if you, if you find a contradiction in the Bible, you're not studying the Bible correctly. That is, um, that is, uh, what Brother Ed, Brother Ed wrote a pamphlet on, uh, on, um, um, I can't remember, can't remember what it was now, but anyway, he said the same thing in that pamphlet he wrote. Oh, how to study the scriptures. He wrote a pamphlet on how to study the scriptures. And I've got it somewhere in my library. And, um, and he stated in that pamphlet that uh, that very same thing. He said in that pamphlet, he said, if you are studying the Bible and you think you have found a contradiction in the Bible, you're not studying the Bible correctly because there are no contradictions in the Word of God. There are no contradictions in, in, in uh, what Jesus said that, Except the Father draw you, you won't come. There, and, and there's no contradictions to that. There's no contradictions that men just run around trying to seek the Lord for no reason at all except to what we're going to talk about today. Almost all opposition I have received has been because there are those who pull Scripture out of context, and sometimes they pull what other men say out of context. Now that happened to me in that big argument, that big debate that Joe Wilson and Wayne Camp had. I don't know how many of you followed that, but uh, Wayne Camp, who was a, a, a great friend of mine, Wayne and I used to preach together a lot, but Wayne took a statement that I made out of context and used it against Brother Joe. And, um, and so um, in, that, in that debate. And so, you know, that's the wrong thing to do. That's the wrong thing to do. That's the wrong thing to do is pull something out of context and use it against someone. That's the wrong thing to do. Because what he pulled out of context, I did not say that. According to him, I said that, but I didn't say that. And within the context of it, I made a statement that there is reasons why that people uh, believe that a church 
ought to have a sponsoring church when they organized. And he took that and said, well, if there's reasons that a church ought to have a sponsoring church when they organize, then there must be some reasons why a church does not need a sponsoring church. And that's what he used. He used uh, uh, toward Brother Joe Wilson. Now, so you got to be careful about those things. Pulling Scripture and establish to and establishing one's own belief will soon run into trouble and cause some to get angry and some to get completely away from organized religion. For example, Mark 1 and verse 37. Turn with me over there. Follow with me. Mark 1 and verse 37, as we just said. I just used it. And when they had, when they had found Jesus, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. But what did Jesus answer them with? Jesus said, let's get away from here. Because Jesus knew why they were seeking him. They weren't seeking him for salvation. He knew why they were seeking him. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Now, you, you would you would think that if... Somebody told Jesus people were seeking you. He'd run out there right now. What do you want? What do you need? Why, why, why are you seeking me? No, he didn't do that. He said, let's go somewhere else. Jesus knew why they were seeking him. Jesus knows the people who seek him falsely and the people who seek him to be genuine. He knows that. He knows that. He, he knows who, he knows when people falsely seek him in prayer. And he knows those who genuinely seek him in prayer. He knows those things. You know, there, there's a lot of reasons that men seek the Lord. I brought those things out 16 years ago in the message I preached. There, there's a lot of reasons why men seek the Lord, but there's also a lot of reasons why men don't seek the Lord. Why they don't seek Him. Now we know that if we have studied any Bible at all, we know the Bible teaches that no man seeks Him at any time. Romans three eleven. We know the Bible is plain about that. That no man ever sets out on his own to seek the Lord, except for reasons. Except for reasons. There are men who die and go to devil's hell who have never sought after him. Never have in, in their life, never have in the life they live, they never did seek after the Lord. Never sought out, sought out anything that had to do with the Lord. They've lived, they've lived their whole life without ever seeking out anything like that. We know from the scriptures that a man can only seek him when he is drawn to him. That's what John 6.44 says. No man can seek to him unless he's drawn. Now let me say this. There's a scriptural drawing, a man to Christ, and then there is an unscriptural 
drawing of men to Christ. Now, I hope this is getting your interest. Because there is an unscriptural of drawing to Christ. We know that all men who seek him don't always seek him for salvation. That's the key to it right there. Well, then why do men seek him? Why were these men seeking him? Or these people here? Or these, they say all men. But they, you know, a lot of times that includes women too. We know that all men who seek him don't always seek him for salvation. Many seek a, seek a temporary way out of their guilty conscience by seeking not the Lord, but seeking religion. Oh, yeah. There's thousands of those out there today. Hundreds of them out there today. Talk to a judge. Talk, go, go talk to a judge, and, and a judge will tell you how many people stand in, in, in his court Stand before him who has, who's in trouble, who has committed crime, stand before him, and, and they tell that there was a time when they wanted to be religious. Another judge made a statement. He said, and listen to this one, all this is important, folks. I'm telling you, it's important to you. It may be why some people's not here today. It's very important. Another judge made a statement. This was back in the late 60s. I've got that one too. Another judge in Illinois made a statement. He said that no young person had stood in front of him condemned to a lifetime in prison or even condemned to death that was raised in Sunday school. Now that was back in the 60s when that judge said that. I've got the quote. I used it several times in messages in those days. No person had ever stood before him that was charged with a terrible crime that had been raised in Sunday school. Now, he may be unusual. I'm sure there's judges have had people stood before them that's been raised in Sunday school because kids don't always get the proper teaching in Sunday school they should get. Oh, they, they see their Sunday school teacher doing things they shouldn't do. That's teaching them. Oh, shouldn't have said that. Sometimes they see their family doing things that they're not supposed to do. But yet they've been in, they've been raised in Sunday school. So why in the world should we think that there's never been any who have stood before in a criminal court 
and, and, and sentence that has, that has been raised in Sunday school. Well, it's the same reason as why men don't seek him. Sometimes people do it. They seek the Lord out of a guilty conscience by seeking a religion, a church, or even a pastor. Now, if we're to understand why some men don't seek him, we must see it is because of sectarian theories. A lot of men have a theory about religion, but they don't have a truth about religion. All of us know there's not a person in this building, there's usually not a child in this building, would say that they don't, uh, uh, that they don't, they have not been taught a sectarian teaching. What is a sectarian teaching? A sectarian teaching is this is what we should do. Not what we will do, but this is what we should do. That's a sectarian teaching. Sectarian teaching says this is what we should do. The, the Pharisees who were good at sectarian theories and those Pharisees would teach that if I stand on the corner and make long prayer and have my garb on, then everybody should follow that because I look like that I'm genuine. That's why that that Pharisee that went up to the temple to pray with the publican went up to the temple to pray. That's why that Pharisee said, I'm not like other men. Well, children, don't be like other men. Well, now, is that fair to tell them that? No. That's not fair to tell children not to be like other men. Because what that is saying is, don't be, don't be like your pastor. Don't be like your church believes. Don't be like your, 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 your friends in church do. That's like telling a child that there's no such thing as authority. You tell a child there's no such thing as authority. They have a right to do whatever they want to do. Whenever they want to do it, then you're teaching them that their school teacher has no authority. Their school principal has no authority. Their pastor has no authority. Their church has no authority. Yeah, you got to be careful. That's why I said in Sunday school today that you have got to guide children. You've got to lead them. You got to lead children. You got to stay with them. You got to lead them. You got to live a life before them. You got to live a life that that they say this is what I want to be. I don't know how many of you read what Troy McGahan, I guess that's the way he says it, wrote about his daddy. 
He stated in that, he said, my daddy lived a godly life before me. And he said, today, I respect that. Troy is a preacher. He pastors a church. I believe in West Virginia. I'm not sure. He said, I'm thankful that my daddy lived a godly life before me. He said, it, it influenced me tremendously. Well, you know what influenced me when I was growing up? That tobacco stick. You can't beat goodness into a child. And you can't beat evil out of them. Let me tell you, folks, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm teaching the truth to you now. You, you don't do that. The, the way that you get goodness into a child is you live a decent life before those children. Now, why do, why men don't seek him? It is because of sectarian theories. I would like to say some love the sectarian theories. Some people love, oh, he is so intelligent. Man, he comes up with words that I never, I don't even understand it. There used to be a preacher who used to write for the Baptist Examiner. Before you read him, you had to have a dictionary with you. Because he used words that most people didn't understand. Me and Doug Newell and I were talking about him the other day on the phone. He used words that people didn't know what he was talking about. I've had the opportunity to talk with many over the years who have been in many different charismatic assemblies that they were so confused with all the teachings concerning what one must do to be saved that they had no they didn't want to know what a person had to do to be saved they didn't want you talking to them about salvation because they were so confused they are taught that one must keep the Ten Commandments. That he must do everything the Bible says. And many things the false teachers teach him that's not in the Bible. I've said this over the years. Don't do things just because I tell you to do them. You do them because God wants you to do them. You'd be surprised at people, though, that'll say, well, Brother Paul don't like that. Well, maybe do what Brother Paul likes. If God is leading you and God is is... is is, is with you, then it doesn't make any difference what Brother Paul likes. And, and if Brother Paul teaches something from the Word of God and you believe it, then you say, 
Lord, I'm thankful you showed me that. I'm thankful that he's preaching that today. I'm thankful that he, uh, no, people, people want something new. They want something new. That's what Paul warned Timothy about. He warned Timothy, he told Timothy, he said, their day will come when they'll have itching ears. They'll want to hear something else. But he says, preach the gospel to them constantly. Preach to them constantly. Don't let their ears ever get free of the truth because they'll seek out to other things. It happens. It happens. It happens today. It happens all the time. It happens every day. People want to hear something different. They, they don't, they don't want, they don't want to hear anymore some babbling Kentucky hillbilly. They want to hear other things. They want to hear something else. With this people that I'm talking about that I've always proceeded to teach them the doctrines of grace. When they're so confused, they don't know which way to turn. Then I teach them the doctrines of grace, and they've been some that have got straightened out. They've been some over the years that got straightened out. They were saved, truly saved, and they followed the Lord from then in the truth. I'm telling, I'm not telling you here that you're not to keep the Ten Commandments, but I'm telling you here they won't save you. I'm not telling you here to be in church every time the door's open, but I am, and I'm not, I'm not telling you that that'll save you. But what God leads you to do, what God leads you to do, that's what you do. Son of Sam, not this son, not the son of this Sam. But the son of Sam in New York told the judge in New York that he did what he did because God told him to. He killed a bunch of people. He was a serial killer. And he told the judge in New York, he said, I did it because God told me to do it. Well, you can get mixed up who's talking to you too. Why don't men seek, why, why men don't seek him? It's because men hear these confusing things that they hear. And then when somebody preaches them truth, they don't know if they're telling the truth or not. They don't even know if the Bible's true anymore or not. <clears throat> John the Apostle taught, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. What is written? Not what Brother Paul says, 
But what Brother Paul preaches from, that's written. That's written. You, if, you, if you have a problem with whether you're saved or not, get in the Word of God. You'll, you'll, you'll soon come to find out. You'll soon learn whether you're really saved or not. These things are not only written to, to assure you that you're secure, but they're also written to show you that you may not be as secure as you think you are. You don't have to listen to a thing I say. A lot of people prove that, that that's true. This is not confusing. What John said here is not confusing as a sectarian theories. This is as plain as it gets. Scripture written that you might know you have eternal life. And you can know it without a doubt. I don't know how many of you have gone through this, but when I was first saved, I'd read something in the scriptures I didn't understand. It scared me to death. It did. It scared me to death. It, it did until I called somebody who knew what it meant, what it was saying. And they explained it to me. I mentioned earlier how some can get so confused. The Apostle Paul warns of that very thing when he warned the Colossian church about the Alexandria form of legal religion. Turn with me to the book of uh, the book of uh, Colossians, if you would. Book of Colossians. The third chapter. All right, yeah. Now the second chapter and the eighth verse. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Beware. Then down in verse 18 of that same chapter, that same chapter, he says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and, and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up, by his fleshly mind and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and, and, and knit together increaseth with the increase of God wherefore if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances that is ordinances of the world why would we do that why would we go back to the world once God's taken us out of it? That's what Paul is telling the Colossian church here. 
Paul had problems in those churches, just like churches today have problems. Like somebody said, everybody's got problems. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Which are, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and the doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. People want this flesh to feel good. They'll find somebody that will teach them something that, that makes this flesh feel good. I mentioned a while ago that there was a time when some scripture just scared me to death. Oh, yeah, me, this old flesh, scared me to death until somebody sat down and explained the truth to it. And then you begin to understand, you begin to see it, you're not afraid of it anymore. Legalistic religion is religion that follows sayings and traditions of men and those taken out of context of the Bible itself. Now, if we're to understand why some men don't seek him, we must see that some become tired of being helpless and futile in religion. Some just get tired. They, they get tired because they can't find any peace. They can, can't find any happiness. They can't find any joy in what God has given them. So they just get tired. There is one thing all men seek after in this life and is peace. I pray every night that God will give me a night of peaceful sleep. I prayed this morning when I got here at church that the Lord would give me a peaceful day in preaching and teaching. We all want peace. But sometimes that peace gets eroded. In our life. What causes that? Most of the time it's sin. That causes that peace to get eroded. All men want peace. A mind which is not at peace makes a dangerous person. One such has sought after many things to try and find peace of mind. One such sought doctors, medicine, religion, counseling groups. But when it was all over, they found themselves in the same condition. Christ speaks about them in Matthew 12. Turn with me over there. Matthew 12. He talks about those people. Matthew 12 and verse, 
Matthew 12 and verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came. Came out, and when he is returned, when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. The same unpeacefulness was still there. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so should it be also unto this wicked generation. How many people, how many people don't find peace when they come to Landmark Baptist Church? It scares me to death. How many people don't find the peace they've been looking for? But yet they have sought it, some of them with bitter tears. Oh, God, just clear up my mind. Oh, God, just make me, just, I don't know why my mind just rolls and rolls and rolls. God, clear up my mind. Straighten me out. Straighten me out. I don't know if any of you remembered, I heard someone pray that prayer right here. What this teaches, the text I just read, what this teaches us is that men are totally depraved and incapable of attaining everlasting peace on his own. You can't find it. Oh, you can go, he can give you medicine. You get medicine that you feel good, make you feel good. I tell you, doctor gave me some prednisone. I felt good. I felt like I could jump over these pews while I was taking it. Just as soon as I took it all, I can't jump over these pews now. No use me trying it. My legs gone back to hurting. My knees gone back to hurting. My shoulders gone back to hurting. My elbows have gone back to hurting. Everything's gone back to hurting. That prednisone made me feel good. I was sitting in my chair one time singing, and Rhonda came around and said, What are you singing for? I said, I feel good, Rhonda. That's why I was taking prednisone. They got stronger stuff than that to give you. If we are to understand why some men don't seek him, we must see they are prohibited by sovereign grace. They can't seek him. No way, shape, nor form can they seek him. 
Oh, they find an Armenian preacher that will take them right on in, but they're not going to do it here at Landmark Baptist Church. They're not going to find one here at Landmark Baptist Church that will do that. Ephesians 2.8, another very popular scripture. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How many times have I told people over the years, They'll say, I sometimes I worry about whether I'm saved, whether I'm one of God's elect children or not. What do I tell them? If you're doing what the elect does, you're one of his elect children. Because you can't do it. You can't do what he would have you to do. You can't learn these things that he would have you learn. Oh, you can learn the words. You can learn the jargon. You can learn, you can learn that, but you can't learn the peace. That being saved gives you. You can't learn that. The context in both texts teaches us that a man cannot save himself, cannot work on his own and define his own working religion, can't do a thing to keep himself saved. And I'm going to say this, if there's one here today who is able to hide their lack of peace, please, for your own soul's sake, come out of your false belief and come to Christ, seeking true peace. Peace which passes all understanding. The only peace that will endure through all eternity is that peace that's past understanding. Oh, it's peaceful. It's wonderful to lay down at night and pray to God and go to sleep. Because of Georgia football, I never got in bed last night till about 11.30. But I went right to sleep. I usually get up about between 4 and 5 on Sunday morning. Guess what time I got up this morning? 6. <laughs> Man, I thought when I got out of bed, I said, oh, I'm late. I'm late. I told Ron, and she said, what are you late for? <laughs> it's peaceful. After sitting there with my fist clenched and, and arms slinging because of that ball game and, and saying... Kirby Smart, why'd you do that? I don't know why he called that timeout when he called it out toward the end of the game. They were doing great, and he calls a timeout and stops them. He gives Notre Dame a chance for a timeout that they needed. Why'd he do that? Man, I shouted at him. I said, why'd you do that? Why'd you call that play? 
And then when it was evident that Georgia's going to win, here's why here I am. I was all tore up, I'm telling you. But I laid down about 11.30, and I went to sleep and slept till 6. May God have mercy on the soul of those who can't find peace. All right, let's all stand, if you will. We're going to sing a verse of song, and I'm going to let you go. Be back at 10 minutes after.